Our scripture this morning comes from the book of Romans, chapter 1, verses 18 through 21, and chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. So they are without excuse, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Therefore you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges, for in passing judgment on another you condemn yourself, because you, the judge, practice the very same things. We know that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. Do you suppose, O man, you who judge those who practice such things, and yet do them yourselves, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? But because of your hard and impotent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Uh, This is our second week in a series on the book of Romans, and we're going to be going through Romans uh, very carefully, very methodically uh, for the next several weeks. So there will be a lot of lessons to be learned. There's a lot to chew on. It's a very, like I said last week, it's a very dense book. There's a lot of uh, topics that you can't just kind of gloss over. You you really need to give attention to detail. So as we're... um, Going through and things are starting to unfold, we're starting to unpack these scriptures. I want to offer a, uh, a word of caution that um, what, what Paul is doing here in this letter to the Romans is he is basically giving this huge overarching theological discourse on the plan of salvation. And as he's doing that, he's building uh, on top of, of each point. So as we go, there may be weeks where you leave here um, feeling a little bit helpless, feeling a little bit discouraged, feeling, uh, okay, well, well, then what can I do? Um, but hang in there, come back next week, and we'll talk about it more because this is, uh, the, that's what the book of Romans does. It, it builds on the, the themes that, that, that Paul is talking about. So today, uh, with that in mind, we are talking about the wrath of God, and we are talking about our separation from God uh, because that's what Paul is talking about. Now remember, uh, last week, Paul gave this, this really nice um, introduction and he said, I'm, I'm, I've been praying for you, and I can't wait to see you, and I can't wait till you encourage me with your ministry, and I can encourage you with my ministry. We are in this together, and this is exciting, and I just want you to be encouraged and know that I'm in prayer for you, and I love you. And, and that was his introduction. Uh, but then he quickly turns, and this week we're talking about the, this next thing that he's talking about, which is God's judgment. 
and God's wrath. And he talks about how uh, we are all uh, starting off in this place where, where we, need, um, we need something. We need help getting over to where God is. There's a separation there. When I read this passage, I think about uh, those, those tracks. You've, you've probably seen them or something similar to them. Uh, one of the really popular ones is Steps to Peace with God uh, by the Billy Graham Association. Uh, they've been put out for decades now. They're still in print. But there's a diagram in there where it shows uh, two cliffs. And there's kind of this gulf or this canyon in between the two cliffs. And it, and it shows that we are over here. That we are, uh, you know, we're, we're sinners. We're separated. We're over here. And there's this huge canyon. And then God is over here because God is holy and God is perfect. And if you've ever seen one of those diagrams, you know that eventually the cross is placed there and the cross is the bridge to get from one end to the other. And so when I read this and I'm reading about God's wrath, that was the image that came to mind was this gulf between us and God. Because God is over here and we are over there and and that's because of, of God's wrath that we are separated from him. So you can say that at this point Paul's feel-good greeting is over, since that's, that's sort of where he's going now. That's what he's talking about. Um, and, and it brings up uh, an interesting question that, that I've, I've heard a lot. Um, if God is a God of love, then how can he also be a God of wrath? How can he be a God of judgment and a, and a God of, of anger? One of the most popular uh, sermons ever preached in America was in the uh, 1700s, by Jonathan Edwards, sinners in the hands of an angry God. And it was very controversial even in his time because people don't want to hear that God is angry with us, that, that, that God is going to judge us, that he's wrathful, that he might throw us into a lake of fire. People don't want to hear that. And especially today where we really want to just, uh, like I said earlier, we, we live in a culture where, where we want to serve ourselves, we want to feel good about ourselves, so we really don't want to think about God as being um, a God that would distance himself from us, that it would separate us or throw us off to the other side of the canyon. But the truth is, we start off there. We all start off there. God has not separated himself from us. We have separated ourselves from God through our sin. And I, I skipped over the passage there at the end of two, uh, uh, at the end of chapter one, where he's talking about all these different sins that people have practiced. And he says, "And God gave them up to their passions. They were consistent and they were persistent. They were insistent on sinning. And so God eventually just gave them up to their passions. In other words, God just said, "All right, you're over there. I cannot be associated with that." And that's because God is holy. So when we talk about God's wrath. Really what we're saying is that God cannot be associated with sin, with darkness. Now, I've heard some people say, well, well wait a minute. First John says God is love. And I've, I've actually heard people, pastors, unfortunately, say if God is love, then love is God. And it doesn't really work that way. The, the, the statement that God is love doesn't mean that love is God and that love just covers everything up. When we say God is love, what we are saying is the purest form of love. Love unadulterated. Love uh, just perfected. 
comes from God. It is found in God. So any distortion of that love is removed from God. It's, it's, it's something else, and he can't be a part of it. Any distortion of anything can't be a part of God because he's holy. He can't be associated with it. When, when we say that, that God is, is just, we are saying that he is holy. We are saying that he is perfect. And, and yes, he loves us, but he can't abide darkness because that would make him evil. I'll give you an example. If you think about a judge who everybody loves because the judge is just so kind and he loves everybody and he never hands out any penalties at all. He just says, oh, let me give you a hug. Let me come down from my, my stand here and give you a hug. That would be an evil judge. And you say, well, what would make him so evil? But imagine that uh, a murderer or a, a rapist or a molester or somebody came into the courtroom unrepentant and, and just unashamed of what they did. And the judge came down from, from his chair and said, well, you, you just need a hug. I'm not going to deal out any penalty. I'm just going to love on you. That would make the judge evil because his actions are not leading the, uh, they're, they're not just, first of all, but it's also not leading to any type of repentance or a change in behavior. And it's not benefiting anyone. And so we see that when God is separate from us, when he's perfect and he's separate from us, really what that's doing is it should lead us to repentance. It should lead us to, to be able to see, okay, if I'm over here and God is saying that he's over here, because of his wrath, he can't be a part of this, then I need to do something. I've got to do something to get over here. What can I do? And of course, we know we can do nothing apart from grace. But the beginning of the journey is understanding that we're over here and God is over there. And God cannot come over here. And we cannot come over there without assistance. When Jesus sat down with the tax collectors and the sinners in Matthew chapter 9, the Pharisees, who thought themselves uh, to be really good people, they asked the disciples, why does Jesus eat with these people? Why does Jesus have anything to do with these sinners and these tax collectors? And Jesus heard them, and he said, I want you to think about this. And he quoted Hosea. He said, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Those were God's words spoken through the prophet Hosea. And Jesus was bringing them up, knowing the Pharisees would be familiar with it. And he said, I want you to think about what that means. And when Jesus said that, what he was doing was, he was, first of all, revealing God's character as merciful. And this goes back to what I was just saying, that, that in God's separation from us, in his wrath, there is mercy, because that mercy should lead to our conviction and our repentance. So in his wrath... He is merciful. But also what Jesus was saying was that you need to recognize that you need mercy. You need to come to me and ask for mercy. Because Jesus followed it up. His next statement was, I came to save the sinners, not the righteous. The Pharisees were calling these other people sinners, implying that they weren't sinners themselves. And Jesus said, I didn't come to save the righteous. I came to save the sinners. Now, when he makes this, this statement, we're given two choices. We can, we can put ourselves in, in one of two camps. We can say, okay, I'm one of the righteous. I'm a good guy. I belong over here with God. I've arrived. Or we can say, I'm a sinner. I stand over here. 
If we say that we've arrived, if we say that we're righteous, we're good, all of these things, I've got news for you. You don't need Jesus. You don't need Christianity. You don't need the church. Jesus himself said that. He said, I'm not for you. If you are righteous, if you are a good person, if you are a perfect person, I didn't come here for you. I came here for the sinners. But see, the whole thing's a wash because none of us are really perfect. We may think we are, but the moment we think we are, we're actually going back to the side. You see, we never fully arrived over here with God, not until the next life, not until the next world. Because the journey to the other side, the journey through the cross is a lifelong journey. And we can, we can get lost along the way, we can start to turn back, we can, but, but we are going through life through the cross. It is a journey. And we have not fully arrived to perfection, to absolute holiness, until we are with God in glory. And that's what Paul is saying here. Paul is saying, we have all started off on common ground. We have all started off over here. And we, by the grace of God, are moving this way. We are moving towards, towards God. But when you condemn someone else to that other side, when you tell them you're from the other side, you're forgetting that's where you came from too. And what's really interesting is Paul didn't say, that's what you used to do. All those sins I just named, you used to do those. Paul says, you do those. You're still doing those. There is still darkness in you. There is still imperfection in you. There is nothing wrong with offering rebuke and love when you see a brother or sister in Christ doing something wrong. When you see them doing something detrimental to their faith, detrimental to their walk with God, we should point that out to them, encourage them. Now listen, are, are, are you sure that what you're doing, you are living in a situation willfully and rebelliously, are you sure that this is conducive to your, your relationship with Christ? We, are, we should do that. But first, we have to look at ourselves. And we have to see what's in our life that is separating us from God. What is causing us to stand there in the gulf? See, Jesus said, remove the, the plank from your own eye before you try to remove the speck from your brother's eye. But then he said, once you've removed the plank, you can see clearly to do that, to remove the speck. In other words, he's saying we should hold each other accountable. But we should hold ourselves accountable first and not be hypocritical. And that's what's at the heart of what Paul is saying. Paul is saying, don't forget where you've come from. We've all been there on this side of the gulf. That's where we are all journeying from. We've all stood there in the shadows. And don't you forget that's where you came from too. On the front of the bulletin, I, I put a little story about Larry Bird on there, and, and, uh, and I'm going to talk about it now because I think it's, it's fitting. Um, but Larry Bird was one of the greatest basketball players ever. Uh, he was uh, certainly one of the biggest superstars in the 1980s. And, and Larry um, was not so humble on the court. Uh, they, they say that he, would, he talked a lot uh, to his opponents. But in, in life... Uh, he, he tried to remain humble by remembering where he came from. And that's an important thing, to remember where you came from. Just as Paul said, remember, you did not start off over here with perfection. You started off on the other side. 
And so Larry Bird, in an attempt to remember his roots and his, his humble background, he would go back during the off-season and he would work on the farm, he would drive the tractor. And, uh, and, and that's, there's something to be said about that, remembering where you came from. But Larry Bird's uh, mistake, his greatest mistake, was he really tried to go back to that life, that lifestyle. He refused help from others when he would be on the farm. He refused to hire any contractors or anybody to come in. And he wound up trying to do everything himself. And he had uh, a career-ending injury. He tore up his back and was never able to play basketball the same. And his, his career was cut short because of that. In other words, his new life with basketball and with fame and all of that was, was damaged because he tried to go back and live that old life again. So Paul is saying, remember where you came from, but Paul is not saying, go back and live like, like you're in that place, like you're in the shadows. He's just saying, remember where you came from. Remember, you emerged from those shadows. And when you see someone else in those shadows, rather than condemning them and and pointing that out and and judging them, you should help them in love. Bring them along with you in the journey. You see, in the book of Romans, Paul is explaining God's grace and his plan for us to eventually become holy and blameless. But Paul reminds us, and uh, he reminds the Roman readers, that uh, we must remain humble. To never think of ourselves as wholly sanctified, as, as, as we, or to think of ourselves that we have uh, completely arrived where God is. You see, God is a God of love, and that's why he shows us kindness. But that's also why he separates himself from us. That kindness, that mercy that he desires should lead us to repentance. An acknowledgement that we come from a place of sin and darkness, a darkness that God can abide, cannot abide because of his perfect nature. That is the beginning to crossing that gulf and being where he is. We all hope to walk in the light, but we must realize that we are all emerging from the shadows of darkness. We are on this journey together, emerging from those shadows together. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your holiness that because of your holiness, you are separated from us. And it's this separation that that draws us into the gulf, that draws us to the cross, that draws us on our journey to go where you are. But Lord, keep us humble. Let us not turn back to our old lives, but, but also let us remember where we came from so that we will remember that we are a work in progress. We are not wholly sanctified yet. We are journeying to you. Give us strength. Give us patience. Give us humility. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Please turn in your hymnals to page 12. We have the opportunity this morning to come together and to share the bread and the wine in Holy Communion. Starting with The invitation, if you will read along responsibly on page 12.